This message is presented to you by Pastor James Moore and New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information or to donate, please visit newlifekc.com. Did you know, just, just a little side tidbit, did you know that there are more in America, in the United States, there are more people with birthdays in September than any other month? Also, an interesting thing about the fall, September, October, November, statistics show that people who are born in the fall have a much greater likelihood of reaching 100 years of age than any other months. So who knew? It's the kind of stuff, you come to church, you learn stuff you never had any idea about. So thank you. For being here and hearing my requiem on September. Oh, by the way, September also has more letters in its name than any other month in the year. Did you know that? There's a lot of stuff you didn't know. You thought you knew a lot of stuff. I'm helping you know that you don't know some things. Did you know that? Oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm just loaded with trivia today. Tigers. What's their characteristic? Their stripes. Did you know that there's no two tigers have the same stripes? Just like fingerprints. They are totally different. And did you know that the stripes on a tiger's fur also, if you shave him off, they have the same stripes on their skin? <laughs> it's getting fun now, huh? And did you know? <laughs> I don't know where this comes from. I don't know. Tiger lore. Tigers, did you know that a tiger, the Bengal tiger, is the male Bengal tiger will weigh as much as 680 pounds and reaches a length of 10 feet. At shoulder height, four feet. I don't think you realize how big tigers were. At one sitting, they can eat as much as 88 pounds of meat. One sitting. And they can whip a lion. Of course, lions don't run around by themselves like tigers do. And the lions come at you with two or three and... Lions win. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord for all this wonderful information you can use nowhere. <laughs> Useless information. <laughs> Welcome to September. How do you feel about change? You know, a healthy Christian life is one of constant growth and continual change. As you may recall, we ended last week's service with our hands over our hearts. And we were singing, change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. See, Pastor Alex had just delivered a message about accepting, embracing, and loving those who might not look or dress like us or or believe what we believe. 
or vote as we vote. He used the story of John the Baptist and Pastor Jimmy John to expose our tendency to judge others based on their appearance. And many of us, if we're honest, felt convicted knowing we needed to change. But change isn't easy. It's not easy because it requires humility. By its very nature, change declares that something else more is needed, that we are incomplete, that we're half-baked, we're not yet done. And that rubs us the wrong way because it offends our pride. God, however, he promises that if we will swallow our pride, be open to change, and defer to his direction, he will give us a fresh, new perspective on life. In fact, he promises to help us see as he sees, to give us his perspective. Do you believe that? I do. I do. So if you're willing to receive a new perspective this morning, will you raise your hand? I'm willing to respect. Praise the Lord. Will you all stand, please? I'm going to ask you to do something that will give us a new perspective, okay? So here we go. Everybody sitting on this side of the room, change places with the ones on the right side of the room. Go ahead, move. Left, go right, right, go left. Okay, all right, here we go. <laughs> yeah, you can greet each other as you go by, that's fine, that's good. All the, all the way. All the way to the left, all the way to the right. Here we go. You can grab your same place in the room if you want, just on the opposite side. Thank you. And all of you that sit in the middle <laughs> that said, praise the Lord, I didn't sit on the side today. Here's what I want you to do, if you would. Everybody in the center, please stand and move up one row. Wherever you were sitting, move one row forward. Thank you. And I want to thank you. Thank you for your willingness to change. Thank you. I pray that today's message, I pray today's message will give us a new perspective, fresh insights into living for Christ. Okay? Praise the Lord. Isn't it good? Now, see, you're seeing the whole world differently. Our lesson today is about love. Here at New Life Community Church, we believe the greatest thing, the greatest thing is love. We love God. We love others. And we love ourselves. For you see... We love the Lord by obeying his word and living by faith. We love one another by our words and our service, our actions. And we, and we love ourselves by remaining teachable, 
by growing in spiritual, personal disciplines and by applying his principles to our daily life. If you would, let's all read together from 1 Corinthians 13. It's going to be up on the screen here. Let's, let's just read this together. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not honor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. You thought we were done, but we're not. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Some, for some of you, that's more scripture than you've read in a month. For some of you, you've read that much this morning. Listen, this is called the love chapter. Many of us have heard this read at weddings. It's considered the highest expression of love in all of literature. And it was composed by St. Paul, obviously under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, personally, I consider it one of the most extreme, radical chapters in the entire Bible. And furthermore, I'm praying that by the end of this service, you will agree. Because the basic message of this chapter is, you may be as Christian as Christ himself, but if you're not committing to living a life of love, you've missed the whole message of the gospel. I only have time to deal with the first few verses of this wonderful chapter in depth, but even these first few can be challenging and life-changing. The wonderful chapter begins like this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. So let's pause here for just a second. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, see, this is, this is a letter to the Corinthians, and Corinth was in Greece. The Greeks, they highly valued the spoken word. Their orators received wide public acclaim. You, you may remember that it was the legendary orator Demosthenes who is said to have practiced speaking 
with his mouth filled with pebbles in order to improve his diction. So yes, the Greeks highly, highly prized the gift of oratory. In fact, 400 years before Paul, a man named Aristotle wrote a work which he called Rhetoric. And Aristotle's rhetoric spelled out rules for public speaking. Those rules are still being studied by students of public speaking today. My point is this. The Corinthians valued eloquent speech very highly. And so Paul begins by saying, it's wonderful to be a fine speaker, but to speak in the tongues of men or of angels, if you do that, but if your heart is not filled with love, your eloquent speech sounds like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In case you weren't, aren't aware, people in Paul's day, they were quite familiar with the monotonous tone of a gong or the clashing sound of a cymbal. See, scholars tell us there was a great big gong or a cymbal hanging at the entrance of most of the pagan temples. And when people came to worship, they hit those noisy percussion instruments in order to awaken the pagan gods so they'd be awake to hear their prayers. So, Paul is saying right here that it's fine to be a, a great speaker or a teacher, even a fine preacher, but unless you are committed to a life of love, your fine words are as futile as the acts of striking a gong or a cymbal to awaken a pagan god. So Paul continues. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Now listen. That is radical, friends. That is extreme. Paul is saying that love is even more important than faith. If I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. And this is revolutionary. Just think about those people in our society who call themselves followers of Jesus but they hate Muslims or they hate Jews or they hate homosexuals or they hate Mormons or sometimes even hate other Christians who don't believe exactly as they believe. And they do all that in the name of Jesus. It's amazing. Is it possible that these Christians who hate these other people are more apt to end up in hell than the very people they despise? Well, if love's more important than faith, then yes, that could actually be true. You say, whoa, 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 wait, hold on a minute, Pastor. You've just gone over the line. You just went too far. Well, it's not me, you guys. It's the Apostle Paul. And if you're not convinced... Look at how he ends the chapter. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And there it is. Love is more important than faith. Apparently, how we live is at least as important as what we believe. Well, it's good to say that we're saved by grace. Because neither our faith nor our works alone can do the job. 
We are saved by God's extreme love for us, a love God intends for us to also pass on to others. Now, don't misunderstand. Faith is important. In fact, it's essential. You're not going to love as Jesus loved if Christ doesn't live in your heart. Therefore, faith is important. And so is hope. But Paul says that love is even more important than faith or hope. And he's not finished. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor. Now, is he saying that uh, it, it's possible for us to give our money to charity or to stand on street corners and hand out money to homeless people? And that that can be done with an unloving spirit? Well, I believe he is saying that. It's amazing, but it's true. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, well, that's the NIV translation, by the way. Many of us remember the King James Version. Though I give my body to be burned, is the King James Version. Some of you may remember the Vietnam War when Buddhist priests would pour gasoline all over their bodies and set themselves on fire. So is Paul saying that even that kind of religious extremism will profit nothing without love? Let me say it again so there's no misunderstanding. Even if you believe you're as Christian as Christ himself, if you're not committed to a life of love, you've missed the whole message of the gospel. Paul, of course, is not only expanding, you know, what, what he's doing there is just really expounding on the teachings of Jesus. It was Jesus who said the greatest commandment of all was to love, to love God, love your neighbor. Now, the religious Jew in the first century, he was obligated to keeping more than 600 commandments. And Jesus took all 600 of those commandments and he summarized them in one teaching. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's saying that love is how the world will know that we follow Jesus, not by how many verses we can quote, not by our perfect attendance in worship, not by giving a million dollars to the church, although you could always try that one. <laughs> These are all wonderful acts of devotion, but none of them matter if you've let your life be filled with malice and resentment and hate. So here's my point. Love is the central task of the Christian. Will you say that with me? Love is the central task of the Christian. So if this is how people will know that we're followers of Jesus, shouldn't we be showing love to others every hour of every day? There's a guy named Bill Wilson. He used to pastor an inner city church in New York City. And his mission field, very, very violent place. In fact, he himself was stabbed twice 
two different times as he ministered to the people in the community just around his church. And one time, a Puerto Rican woman, she became involved in the church, and she was led to Christ. And after her conversion, she came to the pastor one day, and she said, Pastor Wilson, I want to do something to help with the church's ministry. So he asked her what her talents were, and she could think of nothing. She couldn't even speak English. But she did love children. So he put her on one of the church buses that they had that went into the neighborhoods every week and transported kids to the church. And so every week, she performed her duties. She would find the worst-looking kid on the bus, and she'd put him on her lap, on her lap, and she would whisper over and over the only words that she had learned in English. I love you. Jesus loves you. Well, after several months, she became attracted to one little boy in particular. This boy didn't even speak. He came to Sunday school every week with his sister and sat on the woman's lap, but he never made a sound. Each week, she would tell him on the way to Sunday school, and all the way home, I love you, and Jesus loves you. And then one day, to her amazement, the little boy turned around, and he stammered, I, I, I love you too. And then he put his arms around her, gave her a big hug. That was a 2.30 on a Sunday afternoon. That night at 6.30, he was found dead. His own mother had beaten him to death and thrown him in the trash. I love you, and Jesus loves you. Those are some of the last words this little boy heard in his short life. And the reason he heard them was because an immigrant woman from Puerto Rico was committed to loving people in Jesus' name. But here's what we need to remember. When she held that child on her lap and she whispered, I love you and Jesus loves you, she was fulfilling all the laws of the prophets. When she held that child in her arms and whispered those words, her witness was more authentic than all of those who strut their piety all around and claim to be righteous. In other words, the love Jesus wants to place in our lives is proactive. It actually seeks out people who need loving, not just wait until somebody shows up. No, authentic love is not passive. Authentic love is looking actively for people who need loving. Back in 1967, there was a missionary. His name was Doug Nichols, and he went to India to be a missionary. And unfortunately, while he was just starting to study the language, he became infected with tuberculosis, had to be put in a sanitarium to recuperate. And let me add that this was not uh, the kind of clean and wholesome sanitarium you and I might expect here in the United States. Anyway, while in the sanitarium, Doug unsuccessfully tried to reach some of the patients for Christ. The problem he had wasn't only his inability to communicate in their language, which he couldn't. But even when he offered them tracts or pamphlets in their language, they politely refused. It became obvious that the patients wanted nothing to do with him. They wanted nothing to do with his God either. 
And before long, Doug grew very discouraged. He began to wonder why God had ever allowed for him to be in this place since no one would even listen to him. Well, one night, about 2 o'clock in the morning, Doug woke up coughing. And it was then that he noticed an old man across the aisle trying to get out of bed. And the man was too weak to stand. And he, he fell back, crying and exhausted. Early the next morning, the same scene repeated itself. And later in the morning, the smell that began to permeate the room revealed the obvious. The old man had been trying to get to the bathroom and not able to make it. The other patients made fun of the old man. The nurses who came to clean up his bed, they weren't very kind to him either. In fact, one of them even slapped him in the face. Nichols, Doug Nichols said that the old man just laid there and, and cried. Well, the next night, this scene was repeated as the old man tried in vain to get to his feet. And although Doug Nichols was sick himself, in fact, as weak as he'd ever been, he was able to get himself out, up out of bed and he placed one arm under the old man's neck and the other under his legs. And with all his strength, Doug lifted the sick man and carried him down the hall to the filthy, smelly bathroom where he gently held him while the man completed his task. Then he carried him back to his bed. The old man kissed Doug on the cheek and said an Indian word that meant thank you. And guess what? The next morning when Doug Nichols woke up, one of the other Indian patients was waiting to serve him a hot cup of tea. And then after the patient served the tea, he made motions indicating that he wanted one of Doug's tracks. Doug said later, he said, all throughout the day, people came to me asking for gospel tracts. And this included the nurses, the hospital interns, the doctors, until everyone in the hospital had a tract or a booklet or the gospel of John. And he said that over the next few days, several told him that they had come to trust Christ as their Savior as a result of reading these materials. Doug Nichols added, he said, and to think all I did was take an old man to the bathroom. Anyone could have done that. And it's true. Anyone could have done that. But none of them did. So how did the people in the sanitarium know that Doug Nichols was a follower of Christ? Was it by the pamphlets and tracts that he passed out? Uh, you know the answer. They knew he was a follower of Christ because of the love he showed to an old man. Well, Paul finishes up his chapter with these inspiring words. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they'll be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the completeness comes, when it, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, Paul says, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I think there's a wonderful way of grasping what Paul is saying. Suppose you multiply one million times 1,000. You end up with what? A billion, right? You know what comes after a billion? A trillion. A thousand billion is a trillion. What comes after that? A quadrillion. And after that, there's a number called a quintillion, which is a one followed by 18 zeros. Now, let's do it the way children might do it. Let's start with the biggest number in the world and multiply it by the biggest number in the world. Whatever that huge number is, okay? Let's multiply it by zero. What do you get? Zero. For you see, it doesn't matter what you start with on the left. If the number on the right is zero, the answer will always be zero. And God is saying to us that life without love is zero. We can pile up all the good deeds, all the education, all the spiritual gifts, all the noble works that we want, but without love, it still equals zero. You can be smart, you can be beautiful, you can be strong, you can be wealthy, you can be educated, multilingual, you can be rich, you can be famous, but without love, it still equals zero. In other words, if it was possible for you to be as Christian as Christ himself, you will have missed the whole message of the gospel if you're not committed to a life of love. And of course, the greatest example of self-giving love was what? On the cross where Christ died. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. In this, and this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave us his son for the expiation of our sins. Not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. We love because he first loved us. So how will people in our lives know that we're followers of Jesus? By our and now these three remained, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Will you stand with me, please? Lord, 
Fill us, we pray, with your love. Change us from selfish to selfless to lovers of others. Now, if you would, let's place our hand over our heart as we did last week. Will you do that? And let's pray that song once again. Change my heart, O God. Make it ever true. Change my heart, O God. May I be like you. Grant it, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.